Hi everyone and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, please would you speak to us today through your word and give us confidence in our hearts that this message is true and important, we pray, for your name's sake. Amen. Well, I I made a mistake in the booking. Turned out to be rather a good mistake, actually, but it was definitely a mistake. Uh, when we turned up, there were crowds and crowds of people there. Uh, but we went to the check-in counter and showed them the online booking confirmation. And uh, they smiled and took us off to uh, a side room where there was coffee and uh, a little video presentation. And then we were accompanied to a, a small private lift and uh, whisked up to the top and uh, then we came out and uh, there were waiters there and complimentary drinks and uh, sofas that we could uh, sit down and enjoy uh, the experience Uh, and the experience was an astounding view because we were at the top right at the top of the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, the world's tallest building, and about five floors above where everyone else was. We went down to join them later on, and that was an altogether uh, different experience. But the view was just astounding. Well, I wonder if there are uh, other astounding things that uh, you would say, the most uh, astounding thing that you've seen in your life, perhaps uh, uh, in in amongst the top five, perhaps it might be the, the birth of your first child, perhaps. Or maybe, I've never been, but perhaps uh, the Grand Canyon. A lot of people say that is the most uh, astounding view that they've uh, perhaps ever seen. Uh, We were in Greece once on holiday, just on an island, and uh, a touristy island. And one evening we came across a bunch of turtles hatching and then uh, rushing down to the sea. That was uh, another uh, astounding thing to see. Well, if you'd been in Jerusalem in the first century you would also uh, have seen an astounding thing if you'd been there at that time. When these two apostles, Peter and John, they met this guy who was begging outside the temple by the beautiful gate, uh, and they healed him, uh, or actually Jesus healed him through them in an instant. It was a truly astounding miracle. Uh, And we're going to find out more about that today. But I want to say that uh, despite the fact that this guy was in his 40s, he'd been lame from birth, uh, that actually there are are two things here that are astounding. It's not just the miracle as we look at Acts chapter 3. So do have that open. And we're going to see the astounding miracle, but also we're going to see something else that was even more astounding than that miracle. So uh, the, the first point Uh, I just simply want to say the miracle was truly astounding. The miracle was truly astounding. Uh, Here is a man who uh, um, is in his 40s. He's been lame from birth. His family or his friends carry him down to the temple because there's no way he's going to have an income. And they they take him down to the temple to a beautiful gate, probably 75 foot high, uh, made of brass or bronze, the the, uh, the greatest and most uh, amazing entrance to the temple. And uh, he would be there. And then as people came in uh, at the hour of prayer, there were three hours a day, one at nine, one at midday, one at three. And Peter and James are coming, Peter and John are coming in the afternoon at three o'clock. And uh, one of the things about Jewish folks was that they would give to people who were begging. It was thought to be a good thing to do, still is. And uh, uh, and actually, they were as they did that, they thought they were they were going to have uh, blessing from God for their generosity. 
And as Peter and John arrive, and the man then asks them for their gift, and, and they said, sorry, we haven't got any money, but can we give you something that's even better? And then when you look at the verses here, look at verses 6 and 7. Uh, Peter said, uh, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, of Nazareth walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And then, as if to emphasise the fact that this guy is walking for the first time in his life, the next couple of verses, he says, he walked, and he walked, and he walked. They're just underlining that. This was just astonishing. There was no physio, there was no recuperation, there was no uh, go-back-for-follow-up appointment or anything like that. Um, this guy was made whole, and his muscles developed, and he was not just walking but he was leaping and jumping as he for the first time in his life because uh, he would have been excluded from the temple up until this point disabled people wouldn't have been allowed to go in and here he is healed whole being able to join god's people as they went there uh, at that hour of prayer it is it was uh, and as we look back on it it was a complete healing it was just an extraordinary miracle in fact the idea look at verse 16 here and it says, uh, uh, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. A simply, a simply astounding miracle. And there was no suggestion that that was going to be uh, a, 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 a regular thing. In fact, in fact, when you when uh, in those days, and no suggestion it should be a pattern necessarily for ministry today. I mean, it's interesting, wasn't it? There would doubtless have been other people begging. There would have been doubtless other people who uh, uh, were disabled in one uh, uh, form or another there uh, at the entrance to the temple, and yet just one man was healed, just the one. I wonder why that was. And uh, and there is no idea uh, that uh, and no suggestion here that this should form a, a general pattern for all Christian ministries today. Now, of course, we're we're not saying that God can't and sometimes uh, will actually, of course, heal people. But one commentator I think gets the balance about about right. He wrote this: I do not dispute that supernatural events can and do still occur. But the fact is that nobody is healing congenitally disabled people today in the way that this man was healed. And we would be cruelly deluding many thousands of disabled people if we were to pretend otherwise. But let's not forget, and let's praise God, this was the most astonishing, astounding miracle. It really happened. It really did happen, uh, and it was uh, truly astonishing. Um, but at the same time, there are bigger fish to fry, even than that miracle, as we look at Acts chapter 3 this morning. Uh, we don't want to just simply say, well, let's do the same again today. There's more to it than that as we look at this chapter together. There are bigger things going on. So the second thing, uh, the miracle was truly astounding, but the second thing I want to say is this, and it accredited the Christ-centred apostolic gospel. This was a truly astounding miracle, and it accredited the Christ-centred apostolic gospel. 
Now in Acts, there are, uh, there are 18 miracles in Acts. This is number two. But this is the only one which is called a sign, interestingly. So you, uh, we're going to uh, flip into chapter four um, a number of times this morning. Uh, I hope it's not going to take away from next week's sermon. I'm sure it won't. But just to say in verse 16 here of chapter four, uh, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. And it's interesting that, again, in chapter 4 and verse 9, Peter and John uh, play it down. They deliberately play it down, uh, and they just call it an act of kindness when they're asked to explain themselves. Just an act of kindness. They're saying, well, you know, yes, it was astounding, but it was just an act of kindness. There are bigger things going on. There are bigger fish to fry here. There are more important things to say than just to say, well, we've done this, and, uh, and that was just astonishing. Now, the most important thing, that happened that day. The more important thing, even than that extraordinary and astounding miracle, was the preaching of the gospel. That was the truly astounding thing. That's truly astounding news of that day. And uh, uh, the most important thing that happened that day was, yes, Jesus healed the man. And that's how they describe it. And Jesus did this healing through the apostles. But that also Jesus was preached. He was proclaimed. He was explained. The gospel was taught to people. The miracle happened. And then people come running. So you look at verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. Solomon's Colonnade was a, it was a kind of place where people would meet. It was like a meeting point. Great big, as the name suggests, columns, and maybe you'd have your picnic there kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and people came running. All the people came running. And Peter preaches the gospel. And what he says, what he says is much more astounding even than the healing. Now, imagine you're a, a Jewish person and you're there at the time and you hear, well, look at verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. Now, that's just, that is just an astonishing thing. And then he goes on. And if, if you look from verses 13 through to well, the end of, end of chapter 3, uh, you see, actually, he's very clearly explaining to Jewish people the gospel. So he talks about the cross in verses 13 and 14, and in no uncertain terms, we'll come back to that. Uh, he talks about the resurrection there as well. He talks about repentance and need to respond by saying, oh, Lord, I think I got this one wrong in verses 19 and 26. Uh, he talks about the need for faith and he talks about the fact of a judgment day. That one day Jesus will return, verses 22 to 23. And he's explaining it, in, explaining it in terms that the Jewish guys will understand the way that they can engage with and make it their own. So he talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the Messiah. And he talks about Moses and Samuel and the prophets. Those are all things that Jewish people will be saying, ah, oh, maybe you've got a point. I can understand this because those things are really important to me. And he's saying that these days are the fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures, our Old Testament. And this is huge. It is astonishing. But why on earth should they believe what he's saying? 
Why on earth should they believe what he's saying? Why believe this bloke from up north, with an up north accent, as Galileans had different accents, and a guy who was just simply uh, a fisherman? Why should they believe him? Well, the answer is, believe him because of the miracle that has just been performed through him. Believe what he says because of the miracle. The, the miracle authenticates the messenger. Now, I've got here a pair of Levi's. Um, okay? And uh, you can tell, can't you, because of uh, this thing here, whatever that stitching is called. And you can tell because of the label on the back. And then um, if you open up them on the inside, it's then got uh, on this uh, pocket here. Uh, it's got this thing that says, uh, uh, talks about Levi's for over 140 years. This is a pair of them. So, uh, and I also bought it from um, a Levi's shop. So I think probably they're genuine. Also, they haven't fallen apart over uh, three or four years. So I think they probably are a genuine pair of Levi's. How do I know? Because of the labels. Because where I bought it. Because the maker told me. And Peter and John, the real deal, because the maker has said so, by enabling them to do the most astounding miracle. So we listen to what they say. We trust what they say. In the creed, we say pretty much every week, don't we? Uh, I believe or we believe in one holy worldwide and apostolic church. That means that we, that our church is based on the apostles. What do we mean by that? We mean it's based on the apostles' teaching. And we can believe their teaching because they were authenticated by these, for instance, by this miracle in Acts chapter 3. So we trust them. So we believe them. Jesus accredited them. Jesus has told us that they were genuine. They were the real deal. They were the real thing. And so we believe their teaching and we base our church, our belief, our lives on the teaching that they gave us. So we trust them. We believe them. We live it out when we base our lives on their teaching. So the miracle, a truly astounding miracle. And we praise God for that. We genuinely praise God for that. Uh, and it accredited the Christ-centred apostolic gospel. Third is this, so speak it, always, speak it, always. Uh, and we have many opportunities, don't we, with COVID-19 at the moment, uh, I'm sure we've all had some opportunities to speak a little bit about our own faith and about the difference it makes and about looking forward that we have hope for the future and, and hope uh, beyond death and so on. And uh, how, maybe how our, our church and our friends have been such a, a significant help and support to us in, in difficult days. Or maybe you're watching this because... Someone from BH has invited you to uh, come along on a Sunday morning and uh, watch the service online. Well, glancing over to chapter 4 and verse 13, it says that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Ordinary means unprofessional, means, in this context, I guess, effectively non-ordained. But they were ordinary guys. In other words, it wasn't their job. And actually, when people for whom it's not their job are willing to speak about what they believe. I think that can make a, a significant impact. Now, you don't have to say this, but actually this is something that you really do believe. 
So, uh, uh, but how do they did it? How do they do it? I mean, they were, to be honest, they were really blunt, weren't they? You can see that, look at verses 13 and 14 and 15. Uh, they were, uh, they spoke directly. I mean, very directly. Verse 14, you disowns the holy and righteous one. Verse 15, you killed the author of life. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Well, and it feels a bit uncomfortable. Or maybe uh, we tend to be a bit unoffensive and a bit steering away from being uh, uh, being in your face in that kind of way. Perhaps we're just do that a little bit too much. Maybe that should be encouraging us to be a bit more outspoken and a bit more, I've really got to tell you this truth. They also spoke it clearly. So if you look at verses 16 to 18, in verse uh, 16, uh, uh, it says it says this, verse chapter 3 and verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Jesus did this healing, and faith in Jesus is the key thing here. And uh, they make clear as well what we need to do. So in verse 19, for instance, um, uh, Peter was saying, Repent! Then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That is what you need to do. You need to turn round. You need to realign your life. And uh, so pray that you would be clear in what you say to folks if they are asking you or you're taking the opportunity to say something about your own Christian life. Pray you'd be clear. I always pray before I, I start preparing that I would be clear. I pray before I preach that we'd be clear. We pray before these services. So we pray on, on Sunday morning and Sunday evening before the services. And we pray that we would be clear, that people would understand uh, what is being said. Uh, you might want to practice Work out what you would say if someone said to you, well, so what do Christians believe? You may want to practice it. Practice in a mirror. Practice with a friend. Uh, record yourself as I'm doing now and play it back. See what it looks like. Be clear. Be direct. Be clear. And be relevant. In verses 19 and then 22 to 26, we can see all the way through the way he's talking to Jews. So he talks about Abraham and the Messiah and Moses and, and so on. And, uh, uh, he, and he really engaged with people. And we've got to engage with people, haven't we? There's a, there's a guy called um, Keith Miller, and he's an American guy. He's written a number of Christian books, and in one of them he tells how uh, God used him to bring uh, another guy called Joe to have his own faith in Jesus. And then about a year after his conversion, Joe was in touch and he was asking Keith Miller if he'd come over and speak. Now, Joe lived across the other side of the country, and that's a long way in an aeroplane. But uh, perhaps slightly against his better judgment, uh, Miller decided that he would go. And uh, on the day itself, uh, the, the plane was late. He got a taxi straight to the, to the hotel where the lunch was happening. Uh, and uh, he was going to speak uh, to Joe's friends. He imagined there would be a group of 15 or 20. Uh, and he came straight in and walked up to the front in amazement. And when he got to the lectern, um, he, uh, he turned around and there were 800 people there. 800. 
who in the past year Joe had been witnessing to uh, about his faith. They were all his colleagues, friends, people he'd been trying trying to talk to about Jesus. And uh, Keith Miller wrote, uh, at that moment I realised that all the evangelistic promotions, programmes and campaigns in the world are virtually worthless to motivate people to become Christians unless they see ordinary people like Joe, who is finding a new way to live in Christ. What an example. Joe living and and speaking of Jesus, and uh, living and speaking the apostolic gospel. Now we see again over in chapter 4, as, as, as Peter spoke after this miracle, that it says there in chapter 4 and verse 4, many who heard the message believed. They believed that, G, that Peter was telling them the truth. They believed the apostle. They believed the apostle's message. They believed the gospel. And there are two possible responses. On the one hand, uh, <clears throat> they could return to God. They could believe, as many of them did. On the other hand, they could reject God and in verse 23 it talks there about that possibility anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people he could reject God and be cut off is what he is saying so how to to respond today how to respond an astonishing miracle an even more astonishing message shown to be genuine by the miracle And a message which has been spoken around the world and which has been spoken this morning. And I would love you to believe it. I would love you to believe it and maybe for the first time. So I'm going to pray a short prayer now and in your own heart and in your own home you may want to repeat that quietly after me. So uh, let us pray together. Lord Jesus, Lord of miracles, thank you for those who told the world about you and your good news. Thank you that we can trust them. Thank you that you died for me and that you were raised again. I put my trust in you today. Please help me to follow you. Amen.